Today's episode of the 551 Podcast is brought to you by Town Hall Brewery, located at Seven Corners on Minneapolis's West Bank. Town Hall has become the place to catch soccer, whether it's Minnesota United away games, pregame for home matches, or this week, they'll be showing the U.S. men's national team for their two World Cup qualifiers. On June 8th and 11th, they'll have the big screen set up to watch the U.S. take on Trinidad and Tobago and Mexico. Hello and welcome to the 551 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I'm uh, sitting off in the in the woods, talking on the computer machine to to my good friend Jeff Ruder. Hey man, how are you? Hey, doing well. Uh, welcome to uh, scenic, scenic Pennsylvania, my friend. Yeah, thank you. You are. I, I, you are. I welcome you, and yet I've never been to Pennsylvania actually. So uh, I am the worst welcoming committee you could hope for right now. Uh, you know, I do, when I originally moved to Pennsylvania way back in the day, I was like, we were like five. I remember there was a, a welcome wagon that came by, like, you know, like mm-hmm. that was called the welcome wagon. It was people from the neighborhood. I don't remember where they were from, but they came by, brought all these things, including like coupons to all these local stores, including a coupon to Yakko's Hot Dogs. Yakos hot dogs. Y O C C O Yakos. And even as a five year old, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna pass on that one. That doesn't sound very good. <laughs> so they, I've, I and I never went to Yakos. I it's I don't even know if it's still around. So do you still have the coupon though? Mm-hmm. One day I'll cash that one in. Yeah, yeah so one there day. you go. Great. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm in Pennsylvania, you're in St. Paul. I'm I'm here for a little while, uh I'm, you know, taking in the sights. Uh, but we still, yet we still, are going to talk soccer. Um, before we we do all that stuff uh, and, and do the good, the bad, and the weird and talk Minnesota United and all these things, um, later in the show we also have Jorn Buholtz, who is now the, uh, he tells me in the, the interview, and I'm blanking, I think he's the manager, he's not the president of, but he's the head of the U.S., the National Soccer Hall of Fame, and uh, Minnesotans, some Minnesotans will know him well from his days as GM, president of Minnesota Stars, NSC Minnesota Stars. Uh, briefly, he was with Minnesota United. I forget what his role was there. Anyway, he's a great guy, longtime part of Minnesota soccer. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, we keep in touch and it's great to talk to him. So later on in the episode, we'll have that. Before we jump into the action, though, I want to make a plug. This week, 55.1 is launching our inaugural reader poll. So this, exactly. This is a best of list to vote for your favorites from bars to Minnesota United players to favorite uh, non-Minnesota United soccer teams, outdoor spots, etc. It also tells a little bit about who our readers and listeners are. So if you go to the website, it takes how long, Jeff? How long it took me... Three minutes and 13 seconds. It took you, what, four minutes? Yeah, well, you know, some of us have stamina. Uh, other people are young. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> if, And if you do it, you'll be entered to win one of, uh, you know, a $20 gift card to Town Hall Brewery, who are sponsoring us this month. And uh, so it's also 
really important and really interesting, I think. We're going to publish the, the, the census at the end, and it, it is going to show us a lot and show our readers a lot about, like, what are people's interests, et cetera, who, what is the best brewery in Minnesota. So please I will say, though, take, the yeah. only way that that information is going to be interesting is if people take it. Because if it's just like you and I were the two people who took it, and it's just, okay, which one is Wes? Which one is Jeff? I think it's going to be yeah. uh, much less entertaining. So absolutely, it's live now. It went live on Monday afternoon. So uh, head over to 55.1. You'll see the two of us and the official account pushing this, I'm sure, throughout the next few weeks here. And uh, polling closes on June 30th. So uh, do that. Do it. All right, let's cut to big quarters of music, come back, and it's good, the bad, and the weird. And welcome back to the 55.1 Podcast. I'm Jeff, Wes is in Pennsylvania, and we are going to do our weekly whip around of all things that happened outside of Minnesota soccer. And uh, we are actually going to start with Wes. Uh, Wes, congratulations. You are the good this week. Yeah, I'm usually the good this week. Well, this week in particular, you're <laughs> notably good because you had blissful ignorance towards all things soccer. Um, if you're like me, you were hoping Juve would pull off the uh, Champions League, get uh, Gigi Buffon, his... Um, his, you know, international his perfect trophy. swan song. Yeah. yeah, exactly. A perfect swan song for him. Uh, knock off Real Madrid, uh, who left James Rodriguez out of the 18, kind of inexplicably to me, and just kind of slay the dragon. And uh, the dragon absolutely torched. Uh, Slayed them. Yeah. So I was driving all weekend and uh, missed the Champions League final. So boom, great. Just turn it on. Oh, the evil one. Great. Uh, I missed, uh, we will talk about Minnesota United later, I missed the 3-0 three, three drubbing, and um, conveniently, MLS Live did not put their condensed uh, highlights, the 20-minute version, up. It was uh, The media was not available. So I watched the four minutes highlights, so I'm useless this episode. It's going to be all you, but uh, you know that's good for me, bad for you. So yeah, it pretty much also bad uh, regarding people involved with soccer still in Minnesota. Um, Christian Ramirez was not on the 40-man shortlist to make the Gold Cup. This actually did come as a surprise to me. Um, there were seven forwards who were added to the shortlist again. And so uh, all this means... Is long list. The, the long, long list. Sorry, yeah, you're right. 40, yeah, yeah. Um, and so the, the, the roster will be chosen from this 40-man team. I don't know. Uh, who stood out to you as most surprising... Uh, as far as replacing Christian in our minds. Well, I, I will say that to me, I didn't really expect him to get called up. He's still, we have to understand, is an outsider, and he's still getting recognition. But then once I looked at the names, so I wasn't upset at first, and then I looked at the names, and it's Juan Agudelo, mm -hmm. Josie Altidore, Clint Dempsey, Dom Dwyer, Jordan Morris, CJ Sapong, Chris Wondolowski. Now, um... There's two of those names, three of those names, obviously. Josie, Clint, Jordan, they're going. They're part of the, they're already on the shortlist. And so I was not expecting Christian to get be part of the final group pulled up. But when you look at Juan Agudelo, CJ Sapong, Chris Wondolowski, and Dom Dwyer, Chris Wondolowski, I love the guy. I think he's terribly maligned by U.S. fans. Sure. Um, but he's 34. I mean, what... What more do, does he have to give us at this point? Uh, 
and, and can't really can't either CJ Sapong or I mean can't one of these younger guys do do what he does? I, I don't know. Right. And then yeah. No, I completely agree with you. And then if you're looking at a, a tournament like the Gold Cup that's going on amidst World Cup qualifiers, then you don't really need to have. I mean, you can. I agree with you on Wando, but you don't need Clint Dempsey to be there. You know, that's a that's a tournament where you can say, okay, we're going to need you to be uh, a goal scorer either off the bench or starting these World Cup qualifiers. Let's give you the summer with the club, uh, take an extra week or two off that falls in the MLS schedule with the Gold Cup, and then yep. have you at full strength. But instead, he gets called in. Uh, Sapong, I know he's having a really good year. Uh, Dwyer was always kind of seen as the foil to Ramirez as far as one or the other will get into the roster. Um, and Agudelo has been having something of a renaissance this year. So I, I did understand that. But um, yeah. It, here's, here, here, here it is, though. Christian is on the same level as Agudelo, Dwyer, Sapong. Um, and so the question is, you know, we've seen what Agudelo can do on the national stage, et cetera. We, we've given him a look. Everyone's seen him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everyone knows what his flaws and positives are, and he needs to uh, overcome some of those flaws. Dom Dwyer, sure, he, he has been good, and he brings a very different thing than Christian Ramirez. Sure, CJ Sapong, again, we've seen him in MLS. We've seen him. Uh, you know, he scored forty-three goals in the last six to seven years. Um, and I, I think that I can't help but think that this is just continuing again this obnoxiously myopic world of only MLS counts where. Christian has scored more goals than any of these guys. He's proven it. He's had to move up to the next level. He had to prove it. And you know what? Good. I, I hope that he continues to have a chip on his shoulder and continues to get pissed off about this stuff and wants to put the ball in the back of the net. Because this is... It doesn't make sense. I mean, really, do we imagine that CJ Sapong has a future with the U.S. men's national team? Well, I, that's... No, probably not. I will say just one thing. Uh, Juan Agudelo is inexplicably still younger than Christian Ramirez. Um, And in fact, I'm going to go on record as saying he will always be younger than Christian Ramirez. Um, Whoa. Yeah, hot take early. But um, Agudelo is still 24. Uh, which is much younger than I thought he was, to be completely honest. So um, I can. It's weird because he and Jordan Morris are suddenly the prospects of this roster. Um, but Sapong is turning 29 this fall. Dom Dwyer turns 27 this fall. So I think you're right. And then Wando obviously is 34, going on 60. So um, it's it's too bad. I, I think the next opportunity, aside from some of these friendlies that would happen outside of qualifier windows, the next chance Christian would really get to get a sniff at the the uh, U.S. national team would be January. So, which which is a weird time though because it's like it's a January before a World Cup. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's it's a real bummer. This is literally the best time to to see him in action, and they are missing the opportunity. So, completely let's, agree. Let's move let's move on to the the weird, and this is just from tweets from Aaron Campo and Charles or Charles uh, Bame Bohm Bame Bame Bohm. Yeah, Bame. I think it's Bame. Bame. Uh, on Twitter, so they said, I got this totally from them, Seattle center back Chad Marshall has completed all of his passage passes in the last three matches. The last time he passed unsuccessfully is he missed two passes on May 17th against Sporting Kansas City. That's, a, that's just a remarkable stat. But does that say more about how poorly like opposing forwards are pressing him? Or is it just like maybe he sits in the back and he only takes two ceremonial passes every no, game? No, I mean, 
I mean, it, it, you. So um, Charles had a you know actually tweeted out the pass map. He I didn't uh, check the the count of how many passes, but he uh, puts out he passes quite a bit. Um, and you know a lot of them are to the left midfielder, to the right, to the center, um, to the central midfielders. He's not putting too many really long balls, uh, you know, to the opposite flank. But I mean, regardless, like that—that's uh, that's just a great, great little stat. So I like that a lot. Sure. Uh, NPSL update for you. Yeah, yeah. Let's just uh, just briefly, um, you know. David Baker had a really great recap of the weekend action in NPSL. The the last uh, last undefeated team in NPSL North uh, was the uh, Dakota Fusion, Dakota Fannings, and they uh, lost over the weekend. Um, and the Crows, Minneapolis City, went down to Des Moines for a friendly and lost three nothing, which seems to be the the scoreline of the weekend for uh, some Minnesotans who wanted to head south. Mm-hmm. Um, so go, go check out uh, David Baker's recap just to, to keep track of that. And then this Friday, there's no uh, no local Minnesota United action. So Friday night, uh, Minneapolis City are at home to Sioux Falls. They play at Augsburg. It is a great time. People should go out. I won't be there, obviously, but you know, <laughs> other people can be. All right. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to have the Jeff Reuter-led Minnesota United recap, where Wes um, will just assume that I am not uh, pulling his leg with what happened in the game. I'll no. I'll pretend. I'll pretend totally. Oh yeah, it was a really great move. All of it. Every move. Welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. Uh, now we're going to talk Minnesota United FC against Sporting Kansas City. And uh, let me tell you all about it, Jeff. No, you, travel, you traveled down with, uh, and you actually were like a civilian for this game. which for is uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you watched the game in, in that great uh, traveling section. And uh, how, how was it? Tell me first about how... how how it was, just the environment in, in watching well, the game. Let me tell you, there's nothing that gets you more amped to go to professional soccer than driving across the state of Iowa nonstop. Um, <laughs> that was, so yeah, I went with my, uh, my brother, his wife, and then my dad, um, who's also my brother's dad. And um, the four of us, like rotated drivers, whatever, I ended up, short end of the stick, driving the length from north to south of Iowa. And that was my shift. And uh, so we ended up wait, getting... Wait a second. So you split a six-hour drive into four drivers? Three. No. One, one person did not. Uh, we, I will okay. not name names. The point is, I drove across Iowa and took a quick... Okay. M- I just, just want to point out, I just drove from Minnesota myself. So, coward. Okay. I'm proud of you, buddy. Just kidding. I'm sorry. Um, you go. You go. I'm just making fun. <laughs> so then, yeah. I mean, I will say we got to the tailgate pretty late, um, but the cauldron was fantastic. They have just like four or five kegs... Uh, they weren't charging by the cup. They were just like that, a huge stack of light blue cups. And they're like, grab a cup, grab some beer and socialize. And it was it was really well done. There was a donation jar. And I, I hope that the traveling supporters uh, contributed to that as well. But um, the march to the stadium was cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is the first time this year that I've been able to be in the crowd with the supporters. So um, 
huge shout out to all of the traveling supporters. Thanks for letting me stand with you guys. It was really cool to kind of see what the atmosphere is like. And I, I really do think, and I know you see this every week, Wes, so maybe it, it, so maybe this is something that you are helping to build. But I do genuinely think that the supporters in the section are building something fantastic, um, especially this traveling brigade of 150 or however many went. Uh, it was it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, what did you, it was also your first time at uh, Sporting Park, whatever mm-hmm. it's called now. Yeah. Uh, what 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 did you think of the place? Uh, Children's Mercy. So it's uh, it's the same architects uh, populace who are doing the Minnesota United Stadium, and so it was interesting to see because a lot of times, well, obviously the exterior will be very different. Um, the interior might be similar. So seeing how the concourse is set up, you know, like how far spaced out are these things? How you know, like what's the the width? Um, from like seats to restrooms, things like that. You know, it was really interesting to be able to see the layout of it, but it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, you can see why a soccer specific stadium is so necessary in order to have, um, I mean, an elite feeling atmosphere. I, I, I thought that the stadium was really well laid out. There wasn't a bad seat in the house walking around a little bit before the match. Um, it, the the supporter section was in one of the corners and you could tell the season ticket holders weren't used to having that many traveling supporters next to them because you could you could see them kind of plugging their ears with after some of the shouting and they're like yeah we just wanted to be a little quiet where we can think about our corn or think about you know whatever else you think yeah. about in Kansas City Nickelback probably Nickelback mainly yeah yes but uh, I mean, it was it was really cool I, I highly recommend going to um, Children's Mercy I think is the name of it now but Sporting Park. Um, Whenever you, uh, whenever you get a chance, Nickelback Memorial uh, Park, um, and so let's talk about the game. Uh, what you, you take me, walk me through this. Okay, so uh, started with the lineups, and uh, then the color guard came in. Uh, fans sang the national anthem. There was okay, a little hype all right, video. All right, all right. Okay, do the do, so do the. It was yeah, a little bit surprising. block on this. All right, <laughs> there was one bit it's kind of surprising note with the, the lineup for Kansas City, which is that Matt Beasler was allowed to rejoin the team the day before um, in a very uncommon move. Um, so as it turned out, Kevin Ellis was injured. Uh, Aikopara was healthy, but most of the center back depth that sprung kids... And then, oh, sorry, uh, Eric Palmer Brown was on international duty with the, the U-20s in the World Cup. So suddenly, Kansas City was going to need to call in a homegrown player from their academy, or not from the academy, but from their Swope Park Rangers side, the USL affiliate, to start. And Vermees decided that he wouldn't be ready, called Bruce Arena. Arena let Beasler go back to play the game, um, which is a a very unusual move. So um, uh, the the people I've spoken to within the league uh, just kind of without names or positions, were very unhappy that uh, this decision was allowed to go through. Um, but Kansas City obviously was overjoyed, and the captain helped lead them to a 3-0 thrashing of Minnesota United that really kind of seemed to have their fate sealed in the seventh minute. Um, Miguel Ibarra went down with an injury in the seventh minute, and at first it looked really bad. He was struggling to walk. He had to be you know, helped off the field. Um, at first, I, it looked a bit like it could have been an Achilles thing, which would have been season-ending, and obviously for a player who relies on pace that much would have been pretty damning. Um, but luckily, it was just a, a strained calf. Um, he should be able to come back, if not by the Open Cup match, the next league game, uh, not this Saturday, but next. So, um, But from there, I mean, it, it forced some real changes. Uh, it had been the same lineup uh, as the week before against Orlando, except for the obvious 
uh, international substitutions. But it moved Kevin Molino from his 10 position to the right, and uh, Rasmus Schuler came in for his first time in a couple of months, I think, um, and was playing at number 10. Um, did you get to see anything of Rasmus Schuler in the, the, the quick highlight no. package? No. I saw, I saw his hair in, in one, one uh, moment. I saw him and um, Ibsen failing to close down on Ikopara's goal. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to give you three... Um, things that happened in the game. You tell me which one surprises you the most as someone who didn't see the game, okay? Okay, yeah. One. I like this game. Okay, good. Uh, Ismailia Jome wasn't able to keep up against a starting caliber uh, two-way fullback like Saad Abdul Salam. Okay. Two, a three-person midfield consisting entirely of set of number eights, true center midfielders, does not work well. Hmm, okay. And three... Kansas City was able to get in past a pretty slow back line and a left-sided pairing of uh, Jermaine Taylor and Mark Birch and exploit them for a couple of the goals. Ooh, wow. This is, uh, this is tough. I'm going to... Ooh. Oh, my God. I mean, all of them are completely predictable, and we said it would all happen, too. So, yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. It's uh, what, what can you say? I mean... Is it, do you think that there are other options that could have... I know you were going to talk through more of the game, but were there were there other lineup options that could have happened? Like, for example, the, the Taylor and Birch thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think really... I know you love Davis more than I do. Do you think Davis really would have added that much more? Um, I can or, tell you, um, Taylor, Davis came in in the 63rd minute, and no, he didn't add much more. Um, obviously slow legs after coming off the bench, but it, it wasn't like suddenly the, the right side of the Kansas City attack was slowed down once Birch was subbed off. I did think Birch looked a step slow, um, it, but it's not as if Davis came in and really stopped the bleeding on that half of the field. So I, I don't think it would have changed a lot. Joe Greenspan isn't a quick player either. You know, he doesn't have the pace to be able to meet someone outside the box and then try to like shuffle it away from them. He is also like Taylor, someone who is going to be more comfortable if he's staying in the box and marking physically. So I, I think that once Calvo uh, was called in, the, the writing was kind of on the wall that that would have been the, the pocket of space Kansas City was going to exploit more, um, and they did it well. And then Kadri eventually came in. When, when did he come in? He came in in the, oh, I want to say it was early second half for Ishjo. Okay. Um, okay, and so yeah, that would be in my next question, right? Like, Kadri, how did he do? You know, because he would be the obvious other person to start right. in that spot. And uh, I think for the the fifth time in a row that he's played every game since that RSL game, where he was like connecting uh, with Venegas and connecting with Ramirez, and you're like, okay, this is what they saw um, with him in Copenhagen that they wanted to bring him in. Um, Every game since then, he's been completely anonymous. And I actually can tell you for a fact that I did not realize Kadri was on the field five minutes after he came on the field. Um, And I actually completely had forgotten that he was until I was writing up the match notes and going through uh, where the goals came in. So what if he he actually is here um, in some sort of... uh, like FBI, like he turns states states witness on someone, and this is how they are like making him anonymous. They're doing, you know, they're being like, "You're going to be the twentieth man 
on the newest yeah, club yeah. in MLS, and he'll be like, "All right, no, that sounds anonymous." No, no one will notice you because you're so you know anonymous on the pitch, so no one will know that you're here. So it's it's perfect. We'll hide you in plain sight. Yeah, and uh, he so, was entirely. I think that's actually a good shout. Um, I going back to that midfield though. Once Molino had to shift to the right, and so suddenly you lose your kind of spacing up top. Um, it's been pretty clear throughout the year that Colin Warner doesn't see himself as a six. He doesn't think he's a defensive-minded player, and he likes pressing forward. Um, Especially after he scored that one goal early on. Oh, yeah, now after against New England. Now he's power-hungry. So um, the, the trade-off is that his midfield partner, Ibsen, um, is better going forward in attack than Warner is. And frankly, over the season, has been a better defender as well. Um, but that's what makes a solid starting number eight. So suddenly Warner, Schuler, and Ibsen were all trying to occupy the same areas of space, um, which created a lot of open canvas for Kansas City to paint all over. And um, they, were, they were just winning the midfield battle the entire game. What kind of painting was it? Uh, I mean, are we talking Jackson Pollock or are we talking no, I more? I would say it was much more. I mean, it was like a kind of a, a Kandinsky. It was just heavy oh. paint, a lot of paint, actually. Flowing, um, people, like suddenly people flowing uh, around, like flying around. and Yeah. Okay. Honestly, hmm. it was, it was yeah, very much um, comprehensive. It was something, it's a performance that they'll definitely hang up in a museum. I don't, I don't know if there are museums in Kansas City. Uh, but no, there aren't. Probably. Well, like, other than the Nickelback, uh, Nickelback Art Museum, yeah, the Hall of Fame, you know, where it's look at yeah. this photograph. Every single wall says, "Look at this photograph," and that's that's my yeah. one Nickelback joke <laughs> again. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the it's it's tough because was it yeah it was that New England game that they also lost by three goals? Where I think that episode we were like, yeah, we we knew that there would be a loss. Um, and a lot of the reason why was because Calvo was gone that game. He was gone again. Venegas was gone that game. He was gone again. Um, and then there were a couple of other guys that last time. Where it got interesting, though, is to me, at least, while Calvo is a huge absence, the, the player that they missed the most wasn't actually somebody who was on international duty. It was Sam Cronin. Um, Cronin was hit hard by the disciplinary committee after getting a yellow card against Orlando. They, they ended up suspending him um, for a hard challenge. And again, when every midfielder wants to play the same position, Warner's the only guy who's really willing to kind of do that dirty work on this roster, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think that, again, though, you have the, the fact that We've said this every freaking before the season started. Depth, 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 mm-hmm. depth, depth. Um, and and look, we all know that this year we're not making the playoffs, and we just want to see the basis here for a good team. And so, in that way, depth is not the biggest deal, right? Right now, I think you and I could go through and say, who would you keep for next year, and that frees up eight spots. And then you fill those out with players who are better than who you have on the team. Yep, for and then cheaper. You, you've, and then you add depth. Yeah, and so uh, that that's fine. But it, it really is in moments like this, just oh, just just hits you right. I mean, you just don't want to see a, a team put out. You don't want to see us put out a team that already thin and just not good enough. You know, and I don't. Yeah. 
don't really want to rag on our players, but there's a couple of the players who just are not, you know, players like Kadri who just have not worked out should be gone or players like Joan mm-hmm. who are not ready for this stage. And so I feel bad that he's being put in this situation. Yeah, no, but, I, I completely agree. And the thing is, those were the two options on the wing. That's it. You know, so it's, yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of which is the the lesser of two evils the young kid that you can easily excuse and say well okay he's developing he's gonna have off games he had a good game against Orlando um, and he's just learning we need to put him on loan or the guy that you brought in on loan who was supposed to be an instant contributor like um, Kadri so I completely understand why you go with Joe especially in a game that you might look at on paper and say <laughs> we're pretty much worn thin based off of uh, a suspension and some international call ups. Yeah, and let's just. Do, let's you have, just, do you have any other? No, I, I do. I mean the the fifty fourth minute goal. The second goal is the one that I want to talk about. You know, the first one, Icopara, superb shot, should have been closed down, but it was a really great shot. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Just the way the ball moved, and um, the second goal though it is a shot from Sunni Saad that just absolutely knocks the crossbar goes down did, did you see a replay did, do you know if it went in actually uh, i actually haven't been able to see a good angle of okay. that okay um i did see a few people who immediately were like hey we need a uh, goal line technology but we'll get there okay. later yeah and, t- and the the ball kind of um then comes back out and the whole t- minnesota team just absolutely shuts down and uh, jimmy madranda just you know, just kind of is the only one who runs toward the ball, heads it home. It was just, it was back to that Keystone Cops early stages of of this year where it was just like, come on, guys. I know that you're you're like, you're going to lose this game. You're, you're not, you're really thin right now, but just fucking put your heart into it. And that was really frustrating mm-hmm. to watch, that goal in particular. I agree. I mean, like for any team, it's so much easier to forget a loss by two than a loss by three. And it sounds like that's such a stupid, like Yogi Berra kind of thing to say. But um, once you start losing by three goals or more, that's when it gets to the point where people are throwing the, you know, played off the field, embarrassing, whatever. If you lose by two, it's still kind of respectable on the day. Um, well, I mean, and that's, one of the goals this this year should be not finishing with the worst defensive record of all time. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's a legitimate, like, sure, finish eighth rather than ninth or at least finish don't finish last great but like don't finish with the don't break records for being shitty so that, that's frustrating but yeah all right um let's let's take a break we'll come back uh we'll, we'll actually come back and I'll, we'll do my interview i did with drone view holtz again he he's a long time part of minnesota soccer very important important for uh helping shepherd us through the dark period when uh, it was, yeah, it was all darkness, but he also was part of the, he was the president of the team when we won the cup. And so he's a great guy. I love talking to him. Uh, I do want to also say that, uh, and this is the, the last plug I'll do for the show, um, for our Patreon listen, uh, listeners, for those of you who support us, thank you. And we'll have a little bit, um, for patron supporters, uh, later this week where I just talked to him for like eight minutes and I asked him to talk about, the 2012 year U.S. Open Cup when we uh, sold the hosting rights to Real Salt Lake and uh, and then played that game in Real Salt Lake and beat them in front of all uh, almost sold out crowd. Uh, it was a pretty fantastic, weird uh, point of 
during uh, um, being a fan of, of Minnesota. So if you want to be support us for like a dollar, three dollars, four dollars a month, whatever, go do that, and then you can check out this little interview. And we we have usually one of those a month. So. Well, I am uh, I'm delighted to be joined by a, a good friend of ours named Jordan Buholtz. Uh You are down in Dallas, right? You just moved down to Dallas, Jordan. I am just uh, just this last Wednesday. I'm officially in Dallas. Um, moving from Austin, so you you've moved from the the hip Texas epicenter to uh, to to kind of the the leopard print uh, epicenter of, of Texas. So <laughs> I hope you're surviving yeah, it all right. <laughs> Yeah, so far so good. Okay, all right. Well, well, Jordan, um, you know, I, I've I've previously kind of given given a little bit of your background, but um, uh, you know, maybe for our listeners, the the some people are new new to this uh, Minnesota soccer world, and um, when did you originally come to to Minnesota? Start with Minnesota soccer. What that was like as a as an intern, right? No, it wasn't actually as an intern. So I had been working two years at the Indiana Blast okay. as director of operations and media and got to know Jim Frostley, who was the general manager of the Minnesota Thunder, because his in-laws, his wife, was from the Indy area. So anytime Minnesota came to play Indiana, uh, you know, him and I, we, just got, we just got the opportunity to get to know each other. And a job came open, sales and marketing manager, in November of 2003, and that is when I first made my move to Minneapolis. Right, and so 2003, and that lasts until, I believe, 2014, when you uh, went down to Sporting Kansas City, and then uh, a series of things and uh, of jobs since. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to talk. I'm most curious about this new Hall of Fame gig, but um, over the last couple of years. Sure. You know, you and I have run into each other at various events, but uh, maybe tell the listeners like you, you've been kind of a little bit of a, a hired gun going around helping, helping out different uh, you know events go on. What, what? Tell me a bit about what that's been like. Yeah, so I you know I worked for the Aztecs for the second time uh, in 2015, and they decided to take their hiatus as they're trying to figure out their stadium situation. So then I just started doing, you know, kind of started my own little consulting firm uh, and, you know, got on with, uh, I did Copa America last year. I was the operations manager for Copa America inside NRG Stadium um, last July, last June. And then shortly after that, I got a phone call from the NASL to go help right Ryan OKC to get through the rest of their season. Um, I'm doing Gold Cup in San Antonio. Uh, I'll be doing that still, even you know, in conjunction with this project, um, you know, just really through uh, through July, our, our games down there, July sixteenth, and then, um, and that's really what I've been doing for the last couple of years is just kind of yeah, like you said, like a hired gun and going out and working in this in this sport that we love. So basically, Derek, been, uh, David Carradine in Kung Fu going around, but you're like the the David that's Carradine right. of soccer. <laughs> um, I mean, that's right. So I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you this uh, on on the record, which is that. How many of the turf tiles from Mario OKC do you have? And is it basically like your back patio that you, that you've you've turfed with them? Yeah, yeah. I've actually we have, we have no grass at the house that we're at. We just put in the turf so we wouldn't have to mow. So we've got we've got the entire we got the entire lot covered. <laughs> Beautiful. It's a, yeah, the turf uh, grass uh, backyard of the future. Um, so, right. so tell me about this Hall of Fame gig. You are now the the president, or what? What's the role of the the 
U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame. Yeah, so it's the um, my title is actually the executive director of the National Soccer Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, it's something that you know I've been speaking to really the Hunt family and SD Dallas with for for about a year. Uh, you know, to to see if there was going to be an opportunity for for me to be picked as their guy because you know this is really kind of a it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I think uh, you know when you're when you're talking about being able to come in and help help get this thing off the ground. I think it's such a cool outside of the box process and how they thought about doing this, you know, is rather than just being a standalone building, but actually integrating it into a stadium with season tickets and seats. And I just think it's, it's fascinating to me. And ever since I heard about this, you know, a little bit over a year ago, I, I certainly wanted to see, uh, you know, if I could get my name in the hat uh, to help them uh, really get this thing up and off the ground and, you know, have it be sustainable for years and years to come and have Frisco really be, you know, kind of this destination for, for sports, this destination for, soccer fans from all over the country and all over the world that want to come see what I think is going to be in, it's going to be an amazing building when it's all said and done. Yeah. So, so in terms of, I mean, what, what type of, uh, what, what's your role there in terms of like, what's, what is your day to day going to be like, you think? I mean, uh, other than just glad handing all these hall of famers who come by or, or I mean, are you creating yeah. uh, events or, or what? Yeah, we're certainly going to be creating events. You know, this isn't just something that's just going to be open on, you know, SC Dallas match days, and it's going to be open every other day of the week as well. So trying to get, you know, as many events in there as possible, uh, you know, this thing is going to, I mean, it's going to be floor seating for 700 people. That's how large, you know, some of the spaces are inside of this. So I think there's a lot of different things that can be done. But, you know, I mean, mostly, you know, I mean, the next year is really going to be getting this thing up and off the ground and giving it kind of its own identity. You probably saw, you know, just this last week with, you know, kind of my announcement on Thursday that you started to see now this place, is, it's got its own Facebook page, its own Instagram. It's starting to get a voice of its own. Uh, you know, that we're going to really start to work on when I get in there, uh, you know, on, well, June 5th is my first day. Um, we get in there and, and, and get this thing off the ground. But, I mean, it's going to be a little bit twofold. I mean, so the first year is let's get this thing up. Let's get this thing, you know, let's promote this. Um, let's get those seats that are sold that are in there. Let's get all of those sold and start lining up events. And, you know, hopefully – culminating with a big uh, a big launch event sometime in July or August of next year. Uh, and then it'll be just making sure that the thing is sustainable and, you know, creating cool events for those people that are season ticket holders and trying to get as many people through the doors of the National Soccer Hall of Fame as we can. So, uh, like I said, I think it's, it's an incredibly unique, you know, this, it's the only one of these in the country, right, which I think is very cool. Uh, and I just, you know, I, I have to thank U.S. Soccer, the Hunt family, on FC Dallas for, for really letting me join them on what I think is going to be an incredible journey. And I think that, that, um, the FC Dallas aspect of it is, is really interesting to me in that, um, you know, the, you are employed by FC Dallas, right? That's the, the general employer. And this is kind of a, a part of what they're doing because it's part of the stadium. Is that, am I characterizing that correctly? Correct. And, yep. and yep. so I'm an, I'm an FC Dallas employee. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of the things that, that is going to be a perk for season ticket holders of FC Dallas is entrance into this, uh, amazing hall of fame being, have, having mm-hmm. access to it. I mean, that, that certainly, uh, is a little bit better than the, uh, Atasca commemorative coin that, I got from Minnesota United, so now I'm really jealous. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, so there, I mean, there, there's a little bit over 3,000 seats that are as a, they're in a part of the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, so most definitely those those people get to go through. 
Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, how, how, how else can we get the rest of the season ticket holders in there, uh, you know, at some point throughout the year. But, you know, certainly the ones that, that are buying their season tickets inside that inside that venue, inside that south side of the stadium, uh, this place is theirs. So uh, I think that's a very cool perk. And, you know, I mean, U.S. soccer has the largest, I mean, I think it is the largest in the world. It's the largest, you know, amount of artifacts when it comes to soccer. So we're going to have some amazing things that are just going to be able to continue to evolve, you know, throughout the entire year and change through the entire year. And I think it's it's going to be an amazing place to to honor you know the the players, the veterans, the builders that have gotten us to where we are in the, in this country in soccer today. But it's also going to be forward thinking as well because it, it's not just going to be a typical museum. I mean, it's going, there's going to be interactive things. We're talking about virtual reality, uh, just a lot of things that I think that are going to they're going to make this quite the experience once we once we can finally open up the doors. And so th- that aspect of it is is also a, a great part of. You know, when when there are national games, uh, U.S. national games in Dallas or something like that, people will be able to go mm-hmm. up to this. Or even if, you know, uh, Seattle fans come and see an FC Dallas game, they'll come in town and be able to kind yep. of come to this this um, U.S. spiritual mecca. In terms of the, mm-hmm. the curatorial aspects of it, is there a, a, a curator there who is kind of helping acquire some of these U.S. soccer objects or... Uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking of all the other museum work yeah. that I've ever done, but how yeah, much yeah. of it, uh, it, yeah. the museum aspect of it is, is going to be played up? Um, so I mean, quite a bit, you know. And, and I, we we are talking. We're going to talk more about it next week. But I, you know, we are talking about bringing in somebody that's kind of the curator type, um, you know, as well that can really work on you know the the, the exhibits and you know constantly changing things. Uh, you know, I'm going to be more you know in. in in working on, you know, the vision of the Hall of Fame and the business side of it and getting those and creating an experience on game day. You know, it's one of the things that, you know, I think I really opened up my eyes when I went to sporting Kansas City for, you know, really those two years as director of fan experience is just just all the things that you can do to to elevate an experience. I think an FC Dallas game is a great experience, but now all of a sudden you can combine something like this. And one of the little things we can do inside the Hall of Fame to get people talking, to get a buzz going, and to give them an experience that they can't get in, can't get anywhere else. I think at the end of the day, that's that's one of the things we really all want to provide. Is we want to make this a destination for people that they have to come to and they want to come to. Uh, those are things that we're going to be tackling really over the next year. Finally, I just want to ask you about uh, you know last week the the newest this year's Hall of Fame ballot. Um, was announced. Uh, weirdly enough, I, I didn't. No one sent me uh, a ballot, so I, I think you can probably uh, rectify that when you get into, into the office. That'll probably change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering if I, I'm, I'm, you know, you and and Tony Sane uh, are, are uh, at least friendly. I don't know how good of friends you are, but um, I'm sure. Did Tony send you any text messages yet? Tony has not sent me a text message yet. Not even a congratulations. Uh, no, just I think he said he said something on Facebook, but I'm sure I'm sure he's going to see if I can do anything to get him in that Hall of Fame. Tony, I'm sure that text message is coming, I, you know but. what, Tony? <laughs> Facebook messages don't get you in the Hall of Fame. You got to no, up this right. game. All right. Well, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you talking to us briefly. I'm I'm really excited for you. I'm I'm excited to come down next year. It'll open. You're thinking so mm-hmm. July ish, maybe sometime summer 2018. It'll be open. Yeah, it looks like part like it might be a little bit staggered. Um, you know, it looks like like a lot of it'll probably be summer, but you know, full blown the entire thing done in the winter of two thousand and eighteen. Okay, all right. 
Well, it's, um, a, pro- it's a project. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I'm I'm very excited for this. I'm uh, excited to come down sometime and and have you uh, uh, show me around. Um, uh, thanks Absolutely. so much for talking to us. Congratulations. Of course. Thank you. Thank you, Wes. And welcome back to the 55.1 podcast. As always, we are taking time for listeners' questions here. Um, if you have questions throughout the week that uh, are fall on days, not Monday, where we put out our weekly call, um, just say, you know, question for the pod, and then we can try to add that to the notes. Otherwise, you can email um, Wes Burdine at 55.1, is it? Um, yep, yep. I don't know how I still don't have this down. And uh, you right. can send your long-form um birth certificates and your questions our way um, and we'll be able to validate you. So first question goes to uh, Bob Azar who asks, what do the loons need to do the rest of the way to have a successful inaugural season? You mentioned not setting shitty records. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there any other benchmark that you're looking at right now as like success fail? I would say if we can come out of this, you know, this goes into the previous thing. If we can come out of this and say the, here are, um, here are 15 players that we think we can do really well with next year. That is pretty good. And also, I think if we finish, you know, what did you and I predict eighth? I yeah. think I predicted eighth. I had eighth. Yeah. I think if we if we can be up, you know, right now we are above Colorado, Real Salt Lake, um, and so we're in ninth. I think if we're above San Jose, that is a successful year. If we're above three of those teams, that's a successful year. But but really, like we have to think about next year. And we don't want to be anywhere near where we are now, right? Mm-hmm. We want to be. We want next year to be an actual fight for playoffs, and that's where we need a good actual building blocks. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is you say you look at um, the players Minnesota should be holding onto for next year. I think also it's learning the lessons from this year of the players not to bring in, um, mm-hmm. and so not specifically like we'll never bring in a Norwegian center back who's thirty one, but. Um, like this type of player, this type of move is riskier. You know, some of these wingers, um, like Josh Gatt, you know, things like that. Um, I think that would be a sign of success, especially again, if next year is when Minnesota is really looking to push for the playoffs. Left shark Nelson says, just how screwed are we without Calvo? Very screwed. Um, I think that missing both Calvo and, uh, Cronin, I mean that, that those are like the two cleanup dudes. Uh, who are actually willing to kind of do all that dirty work? Um, and uh, as well, far- and, and they're the they're the the marshals, right? I mean, we talked mm-hmm. beginning of the season. We talked about how there's no leader on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calvo has taken more of that role. Cronin came in and was that, even though he's kind of a quieter guy, he still is yelling out there on the pitch. Mm-hmm. We lost our two most vocal guys and the two most guys with the most authority on that team. And hey, look what happened, right? Oh, exactly. Uh, Kate Sophia asks, why is it so hot outside? OMG, I'm dying. Grow up. Uh, Jake Ruder. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Because it's hot. I mean, just turn on the AC or go see a movie or something like that. Uh, Or find a friend who has a pool. Jake Ruder (laughs) asks, are the poor returns from Manny's Scandinavia trip the result of hurried roster building? Is it cause for concern regarding future international signings? Uh, do, you, do you, and this goes back to what what you just said? Do you think that lesson has been learned? <laughs> um, jury's out uh, because I am 
I'm still wary. I mean, of this, you know, Sam Nicholson uh, met with the club for the first time last week. I heard that the conversations were good, um, but there isn't a formal offer that's in yet for him. Um, so jury's still out on that, but it's also not dead right now. Uh, the thing is, again, he's a young winger who is filled with potential, but has had knee issues in the past. That's Josh Gatt. And so you look at that and you're, you're a little bit worried um, that some of these lessons haven't been learned. Uh, that said, he's younger than Gatt. He's had one third of the knee surgeries that Gatt had had as well, um, which is to say he's had one. So I, I think that that's, um, that's more encouraging. I, you know, it, it sucks, but I think it's going to be a one to two year process to really figure out if they've learned those lessons. Um, one other thing I will say, though, and this is a conversation Jake and I had actually had somewhere in the cornfields of Iowa um, on our drive home. Um, if you're looking at the international signings for Minnesota United this year, um, and actually this is a question I'll pose to you, Wes, um, how many would you say have been uh, like successful? Well, Calvo and Tison mm-hmm. are, are uh, I think they're the only two. I'm trying to go through the lineup here. I, 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 I mean, but does Molino, Molino doesn't count because he came from MLS. I mean, he's an international player, yeah. but uh, no, Calvo and Tison are the only two, I would say. I would, and, and I would agree with you. And I think that that's an area you need to shore up unless you're going to go all in on kind of like um, like these, this early 20 or like the late 2008, 2009 Houston Dynamo that were pretty much all domestic dudes and DC United's tried a version of this lately too. Um, but unless you're going to go all in on that, you do need to nail those international signings. Um, and, so, and that's where you really kind of start to set yourself apart from other clubs, um, especially in the week. Well, you week. need... You certainly need to beat the average. And we talked at the the beginning of the season how we all know there's a certain number of international players who will always fail. Mm -hmm. And so that's why signing so many was a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they didn't even beat that number. I mean, how many did they sign and how many worked out? Only two? Come on, that's that's not... You needed... You needed... Two more of those to work out. Maybe maybe Schuler will still work out, but I think this last week shows has uh, puts more doubts into him. Well, we have a we do have a pair of yeah. Schuler specific questions, um, so we'll start with that. Uh, Flavius Maximus asks: uh, Is it just Rasmus, or is the team not using him properly? Is there a role for him on this team? Um, you know, the, what I'd say is that uh, I think there's still a lot of doubts for him. But we still—he's coming off injury, and he had to play in a position in a in a situation where, you know, it's not like he was filling in for Cronin or something like that. Mm-hmm. He—they had to fill in for Cronin and the number ten role. So, I don't think it's fully—I don't think it's fair to judge him yet. But we certainly can say he has a lot of proving to do. Yeah. I think so, that's entirely fair. And I'll let you toss this other one yeah, in the direction. Je- Jez, Jez Penguin, who is a big fan of yours, mm-hmm. uh, asks, uh, where does Jeff's fascination with Schuler stem from? And he has an emoji for you. Mm-hmm. I have not seen much from him in Minnesota United colors, regardless of reasons and excuses. So, a couple things. Uh, a couple yeah. things. First, if I can't give you reasons or excuses, there's no answer that I can give to this question. If you're, I'm going to have to give you some <laughs> reasons for one thing or excuses for another. So I'm sorry. Uh, I can state as a fact, you have not seen much from him in Minnesota United Colors. 
part of that has been because he's been injured for at least two thirds of his tenure here. Um, you can call that a reason that it's been a failure. And I, I think there's some truth to that. Um, but I will say they spent allocation money on him and they signed a highly coveted young player um, from a team that still really valued him. And they put that money in and it's up to him, obviously, to prove it. And so that's part of the reason why I say let's run him out there sometime and let's see what he's capable of now that he's healthy because you have to get a return and, on investment somehow. And you and I are both uh, flavored, t- you're tinged, whatever you want, by conversations with people who have uh, played with him, have uh, watched him train a lot more, and there there is something to him that we have not seen yet. Whereas some of these other players who have not worked out yet, you're also, we're also, you, you talk to people and it's like, yeah, well, a guy like Demidov doesn't seem to give a shit. So, right. you know, so, but Schuler is someone who has at various times shown, there is something there that we're not seeing yet. And I, mm-hmm. I think he still is trying to succeed where I think guys like Demidov and Kadri just don't, don't really give a shit. Yeah. So, um, I will say about uh, we we haven't. There's no questions about Alfie this week, but Alfie's Instagram is grand. Instagram game is still off the hook. It's so amazing. He got this amazing weird like low rider bicycle that he's been biking around on and taking Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. It is so good. If you don't, if you do not Instagram, just go download the app just to follow him. He is so awesome. I, I will miss so. that guy if he's gone this summer. I really will. <laughs> Uh, they should sign him as, as uh, goalkeeping coach slash, slash social media guy. Um, Paul Hannon asks, do I have to watch last week's match? This is the, the sporting game. To be a serious fan, I DVR'd it, but had the results spoiled before I could watch. First 25 minutes sucked. Well, I can tell let you me, this much, me. Paul, actually. Wes didn't watch the match. Wes is verified on Twitter. Ergo, you do not need to be watching games in order to be a serious anything. So don't worry about it, Paul. Uh, just put in your application say, I too do not watch matches. You'll have a blue check mark in no time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. I mean, look, I, I am a big supporter of the fact that you do need to suffer as a fan in order to be a real fan and in order to have your uh, life verified. Um, but uh, you don't need to meaninglessly go into uh into that suffering you if you know the result which i knew the result i was like why would i watch this why would i do that to right so, totally exactly uh, uh matt russell says for the pod uh skc second goal does mls yeah this is a yeah do we not have goal line technology any plans to get that uh not yet however i have heard there are going to be some games this year where they're working in uh video audio or uh, var um the video assistant referee, um, to be able to kind of go over those exact calls. And I think I heard that one of the first games that they're trying that out is the Minnesota-Portland game on June 21st at TCF Bank Stadium. So that'll be interesting to see, too. Will they be actually using it or just testing? I think it's just a test, yeah. But it's still cool. Like, it's one of the first games in MLS that'll have that at least tested. Um, So I think it's in the works still, and I I would guess that they'll implement sooner and later. Um, But no, currently it does not. And then, uh, last, yeah, go ahead. Last question is from Temple of Loon. With Christopher Guest being too busy, who directs the documentary for the Loon's first MLS season? Do you have a good one for this? Uh, I say that you bring in Werner Herzog. Oh, no, he's way too big budget for them. They couldn't, okay. Um, ooh. Yeah, he's a de- designated uh, director. 
yeah, a designated. I'll just I'll I'll say this: it's you don't make it a documentary. You put Guillermo del Toro in charge of it. Uh, he, you know, fresh off his uh, Minneapolis Institute of the Arts uh, um, exhibit that they did with him on him. Uh, I think he directs it, and it's a horror film. Uh, with weird supernatural elements. Uh, I will say, um, I'm going to focus, I think that's fine. I'm good with that shout. I will say I'm bummed I missed the Guillermo del Toro thing. I ended up going to MIA on the last day of that, and it was pretty much packed. So I just, the, the person I went with and I just kind of wandered around, and we ran into listener of the podcast, Nathan DeWin, who was there. And he was oh. he was really hyping up uh, how great this exhibit was that I was missing. He's like, yeah, it's your last day, and you're not going to see it. But really cool exhibit and i'm like all right well i'll just follow it when it goes to kansas city or something at the nickelback museum but uh thanks for saying hey nate uh either way really cool to meet you in person finally um and thanks as always for listening um yeah i i don't i haven't told you this much but every time i go up during like halftime or something or whenever i go up through the section mm-hmm. i get like someone stops me and it's like hey great job and it's like it's super cool i love I'm, I, the problem is with me, I'm such an awkward person that I don't really like, oh, cool, thank you. Or I'll say something stupid or weird, mm-hmm. but I super appreciate that. And then like randomly, every once in a while, someone will buy me a beer and just hand it to me, which if I was a woman, I would be worried about. But yeah, I, I, because I'm a man, I don't have to worry about these things. So I just drink the beer. So if someone someone now is going to get an idea. Oh, but, yes. um, uh, yeah, you're lucky you're out of state for the next two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, well, uh, that's a wrap. Let me just remind everyone, please, please, please go to the reader poll and fill that out. It literally doesn't take much time at all. We really want, I want a thousand people responding and that is well within the amount of people who uh, we interact with every day. So please do that right now and we will very much appreciate it. Uh, Jeff, thank you, man. I mm-hmm. will. Uh, I will talk to you soon, I hope. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, you can find us, as always, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Leave us a rating on iTunes. It does help people uh, find us. Uh, if there's any platform that you want us on that we're not yet, uh, let us know. You can find Wes at MNNiceFC. You can find me at Jeff Reuter. And uh, I think that's the housekeeping. And at this point, I'm guessing Big Quarters has drowned me out already. So thanks for listening, uh, and have a good week. Bye. Bye-bye.